The Sports Complex of the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon. On the show today, we'll be talking a whole bunch of Texas versus BYU, getting you ready for a game where the line continues to grow. Talk to you a little bit about the college football playoff of a conversation I had during the pregame show with uh, Mr. Rob Babers. Made me think, and I wanted to kind of go over some things, give you guys some viewing plans of how you're supposed to be watching these games and who to root for and who not to. We'll get into that as well. Talk a little bit about the Victor Wimanyama debut, Spurs versus Mavs last night. We'll mention a little bit. Not too much. Don't worry. I won't bore you too much with Spurs talk. Uh, I'll also talk about the trade deadline upcoming. Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson's injury, NFL coaching hot seat, Thursday night football games, and the Thursday night basketball games. All that coming up on the show today. And we'll be joined by our friends, Ian Rugby from Hook 'em Up. Uh, Aaron Hogan, Rob Babers, and Ty Henderson. The whole crew is out at Backspin Bar on Slaughter Lane over there, Slaughter Lane and Mopec. They will be out joining the show the whole time. And uh, we think I got Rob Babers on the line with me right now. Rod, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show today. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Sports Complex, <laughs> so good to be on the Sports Complex. Yes, always enjoy our Thursday conversations. You can go out and join uh, Rod and Aaron will be joining us shortly. Ty Henderson is out there too, so the whole uh, Hook 'em Up crew is out at Backspin Bar out at uh, it's out there Slaughter and in Mopac area, right there in that corner. Uh, I've uh, I've been there. I've, I've been there multiple times in my life. I've been to Backspin Bar. Always a cool experience out there. Uh, is it is it looking pretty good for a, a Thursday afternoon, Rod? Yeah, you can tell some people are already getting the weekend started a little bit early, and uh, people getting excited about their uh, their Thursday night football. So there's already some some sports action on all the TVs out here. I'm with you. I've only got it backspin a few times, different random occasions, random happy hour event here. Uh, had a friend who's like, "Hey man, uh, you want to meet up for some drinks?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, uh, where? I'm like, "Oh, you know what? Meet me at that spot, uh, Backspin." I've met for random drinks at Backspin, so Backspin is one of those spots. I've been to it a lot, and it's actually uh, one of the really cool spots in South Austin. If you want to watch a game, have a good drink, and it's a nice little atmosphere and ambiance, and close to the crib, Patrick. As you've talked about, hey, close to the crib. That close, us. close to crib is always good. Plus, uh, if you head out there, uh, Bud Light has some giveaways going on as well. Some you may be very interested in. So uh, get on out, say hey to the Hook 'em Up crew, and uh, enter to win some prizes uh, throughout the entire day. Uh, I uh, we do have uh, also the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Don't want to forget that five one two four four seven three seven seven six. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. So if you guys have stuff to talk about, as long as we're talking about whatever, if you guys keep texting in, I try to get to as many people as I can to throughout the show. We always love you having on you, having you on the show. So, uh, but I do want to get into Sark did speak to the media today, Rod. He uh, 
came out as we got closer to Texas BYU. Uh, I first impression though, I want to say, I did you guys notice that the line has grown for this Texas BYU game? Uh, when I talked about it yesterday, and I looked yesterday, it was seventeen and a half. It was up to nineteen when I looked today. Yeah, I saw that, and that makes no sense because Texas has a backup quarterback playing in Malik Murphy, and we don't have enough of a sample size on him to know how he's going to look. So Vegas must really have confidence in Malik, which is a good thing, and thinking he's going to come out and play really well, and the offense may not you know, miss a beat, or at least their offense may not you know, suffer any kind of growing pains while Malik Murphy is at the helm. I think they will have some growing pains. Still doesn't mean they may not cover the spread because the the offense for BYU is pretty mediocre. Yeah, that's kind of you know you're expecting this the the defense to be able to hold up a little bit better than they did against Houston and be able to put out. But this offense with a healthy Quinn Ewers for three quarters basically did not put up a ton of points against Houston, who also has a bad defense. I, I don't know why you think Malik Murphy is going to come in and then they'll be able to put up more points, but apparently I don't know if it's just betting money for Vegas or what, but it, it was crazy to see the line actually move up a little bit. Uh, you know, it's something you have to tell. There's We, you know, we have listeners that are uh, somewhat you know freaking out. Texas is still the number seven team in the country. They are still the number one uh, ranked team with one loss. They're still the highest ranked team with one loss. So they're, they're still in a good place. The, apparently Vegas is fine with everything that's going on, uh, but Texas yeah. cannot be – uh, rest on their laurels knowing, hey, even though we lost at – or even though we won at Houston, but it was close, we didn't cover – and we didn't get them close to covering, even though we got that win, that we're not – we can't just sail and say everything's okay. We do need to fix the problems we've had. And looking at – you know, the media available today talked a lot about Malik Murphy. It was a lot of conversations. Yes. Uh, we did get the, uh, the question that a lot of people have asked, if Will Arch play, he did – he I, you know, the, I believe the second question was – uh, who is Malik the starter? And he said, I was, I was going to put in my opening statement, but I decided to wait to see how long it would take you to ask us. And it took two questions. Uh, the first one, and I think the first one was, who's still hurt? Which he said everybody's played as well. I can play you that sound as well. But he, he doesn't list off the players. So he, you know, uh, I mean, Chip Brown named off a list of players, and he said everybody's available, but we'll see who plays, which is kind of the Sark MO for this season with injuries. Uh, but this is the uh, sound of ask, uh, when Sark was asked, will Arch play in the game? So if anybody's wondering, uh, is Arch Manning going to get playing time? We know Malik Murphy's starting. Will Arch get some time in the game? This is Sark's answer. Like I said, Malik's going to start the game and, and, and go play in this game. Uh, I haven't made a, a, a decision if, if I'm going to get Arch in there just to get him in there and or not. Um, but we, we have, we have discussed that some, um, because I do think there's some valuable experience for him in that, but I have to make sure that that's in the best interest of the team. Right. And I have to make sure that, um, the the team comes first and everything that we do. Um, but I do, I do see the value in something like that. I just, I just, I'm not ready to make that, make that call yet. So if we're going to put that into not ready to make the call. We know that Malik Murphy has not gotten in probably as much as he would have liked. I, I don't think there's big odds of seeing Arch Manning in this game. Uh, what would you say, Rod? Yeah, that's a good point. I think ideal, ideally he would like it, yes. right? And he just said that. I love that answer by Sark because it is based on the situation. You have no idea how Malik's going to look. Dude, Malik can go into that game and look like the, the, you know, uh, the best quarterback 
that Texas has seen on the 40 acres in 15, 20 years. He could go out there and look better than Quinn. He could go out there and look like he's a first-round draft pick. Or he could go out there and throw three picks in a row. Right? You know what I mean? He could go out there and implode. We have no idea. We're hopeful, and I think everybody's optimistic because he has such high upside and he's so charismatic. He's already cultivated a lot of credibility with the team. You can tell that, and that comes, I can tell you, from a guy who's been in a quarterback and you know, on a team with a quarterback controversy, competition, whatever, between Sims and Applewhite, that he's already cultivated the seeds all right, of credibility with this team, meaning they've seen the, the, sec, the, the, the second team, a third team offense, usually is the one going up against the first team defense. All right, so um, I knew VY was going to be, uh, you know, VY before anybody else because on the scout team, he was a guy that was making plays against the first team defense on the scout team. Yeah. Right? There's a reason the San Francisco 49ers defensive guys told everybody, oh, no, Brock Purdy's a real deal before Brock Purdy even started to go on this run and this streak because he was the one that was going up against the first team San Francisco 49ers defense, which was the best defense in the league, and was probably making a lot of plays in practice against them. And from what I'm hearing about Malik Murphy, he has made enough plays in practice, especially against you know the, the big-time competition, whether he's on the scout team or whether he was on the second team. He's made those plays in practice against his teammates where they have confidence in him and they believe he's got credibility. Now, you've got to go out there and cash in all right, uh, in real game-time reps. But I'll, I think that for the first time, Patrick, in a long time, and we've had a lot of quarterback turnover and instability, we're, we're confident, long-going fans are confident, and they're, they're uh, really op- optimistic in and, and, and their anticipation of seeing how Malik's going to play instead of being pessimistic and anxious because they're unsure about what's going to happen when the backup quarterback or another quarterback is in there. Yeah, exactly, and I, I think that is. And it's weird because there is a little bit of an excitement about it where there is still worry of, well, you know, we, it's something we don't know. We, we're not sure of yep. what uh, we're going to see. However, there is this excitement coming out now about Malik of, wow, what if? What if this guy turns out to be gangbusters and he turns out to be this great quarterback? You know, it's one of those times that you usually don't in a 7-1 and one season with five games to go kind of hope for a quarterback controversy. But <laughs> at some point, you go, hey, man, if Malik Murphy goes out there and balls out and we put up 45 on BYU, wouldn't that be – that's not the worst problem in the world to have. So I think there is a little bit of that, that – you know, I think you have to manage expectations. We saw it with Women Yama's debut last night. There is expectations yep. you have to manage of this is going to be his first game. He's going to come out and, you know, you, I, I even think playing on the road might be easier because even though it's people – you know, yelling at you and 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 going after you, it, it's just a, it's not as big of a, a re, the stadium. There's not a ton yeah. of huge stadiums in the Big Twelve, and Texas has one of them. So if, when you're walking out in front of a hundred thousand people, and everyone's going to be up and down on every one of your throws, and when you let a bomb go, and the whole the, all the air is in the the uh, stadium, and then it goes long. And it's not a terrible play or anything, but you hear 100,000 people all sigh at the same time. That's a harder mental thing that a lot of people go through because there's no way to train for that. There's no way in practice. You can play loud music and say, how are you going to block this out? But when the crowd, when you just miss something, it's easier. Or when you get a three and out and, and something like that and the crowd just doesn't get, you know, the crowd is a little upset. Those types of things are harder to deal with when you're a young player. But I think he can get through all that. 
that's it's not anything like that's one thing I enjoy talking about Malik Murphy is the worries we have about him are not the normal worries you have about a backup quarterback. We're we're kind of grabbing worries of I'm I'm more worried about a tip drill because he launches the ball and if he throws the ball ten yards and bounces it off a guy's shoulder pads, that ball could fly ten feet in the air and it's anybody's ball. Those kind of things are it's fun to be more worried about that than oh I don't know if this guy can throw the ball I don't know if he's going to sit in the pocket and eat a bunch of sacks I don't know I don't I'm not as worried about kind of the regular things you're worried about with the backup quarterback. So if you're now, looking at that, I think Stark talked about it. I'm going to play this clip in a minute. But how long do you put on on Malik Murphy's leash if you say, well, we know he's going out there. We know Arch is behind him. We know there's going to be some struggles in this game. You know to manage expectations. How far do you get before you have to say, okay, this is not going the way we want, or this is kind of all part of the plan? What is If you're the coach, if you're Coach Stark, how long do you let it go? To, to what, are your, what are you managing or looking for in the game, basically? Yeah, you have to. Uh, you can't really say say what that is before the actual situation occurs, right? Because if he throws, let's say he throws an early interception, but it's a tip pass, wide receiver off a of wide receiver's hands, you know, we're gonna blame that on Malik, right? And you know, so it depends on it depends on how he's operating the offense. It depends on. You know, you got to look at his poise in the pocket, right? His presence in the pocket. Uh, you're going to have to look at whether he's – because he's – sometimes he gets amped up. Think about the, the, the two plays, two throwing uh, plays that he had, the two passes he had in the U of H game. And think about how hot those passes were, yeah. right? One comes out really hot. He puts a ton on it, a ton of velo on that pass to A.D. Mitchell. And even a throw to uh, Jay Witt, it was a really high throw, right? It was high, and Jay Witt had to adjust to it. He's got a different skill set than Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers has a lot of touch and accuracy in his game, and he can throw off-platform really accurately and with a ton of touch. And Malik is a, a power thrower. Like, he uses a lot of force. Yeah. When he throws the football, which is, I mean, you still can get the job done that way. Um, Chris Sims was like that, yep. right? Chris Sims didn't use as much touch on the football. Especially um, not, like people, not like Major. Not, exactly. Major was a touch, accuracy, football, uh, uh, basically a, a player and a thrower of the football. But he didn't have a lot of force when he threw the football. Like, he didn't have a lot of power. There wasn't a lot of velocity on his throws. So it's just a different style of throwing the football. And I'll say this. I think for... Malik, the, the, the test or the challenge is going to be, can he add the touch and add the accuracy as the, as the game goes on or, you know, the more reps that he gets. But I'm with you. I think, it, I, I, I think that Sark's going to have Arch ready to go just off practice. I think they're both going to be getting first-team reps in practice. If Malik has a meltdown, I'm talking about going downward spiral. I'm talking about multiple turnovers in a row think about it the only thing BYU is good at defensively is taking away the football they got 16 of them they lead the big 12 in takeaways they're their top five in the country in turnover margin that's how they win games and the only way they're going to pull this upset over Texas is winning the turnover margin and forcing takeaways against Texas and if Malik, if Malik Murphy early on starts giving away the football that would be I think for Sark you know you got multiple turnovers uh, in a row in the same quarter, then maybe Sark was thinking about making a move there just because you need someone to at least be able to manage the game. And if he can't even manage the game, which is the bare minimum you ask from a quarterback, just manage my damn game. Can you do that? If he can't do that, 
then you had a problem. I think he's going to be fine in that regard, but we're talking about worst-case scenario here. What would be the reaction from Sark? Yeah, and what's funny is, you know, as much as uh, what normal people would normally think, uh, Arch Manning is actually more the dual-threat quarterback. So if you were to say, let's just kind of go even more run-based, you may want to put an arch and just go, hey, we can kind of run options here and run different things where we don't, you know, we'll let you throw some too, but we just need to keep the ball on the ground and not turn it over at a certain point. Then arch is an option in that too. Uh, Here's Sark today talking about when he was asked, uh, what is the leash for Malik Murphy going into his first game where you feel comfortable giving him enough rope to go out there and succeed? But not too much to hang himself. Here's what Sark had to say. Well, I mean, naturally, um, yeah, you know, in the perfect world, he finds rhythm, stays hot, and plays a great four quarters, and and then that's the way the game goes. But the reality of it is, most football games don't go that way. Uh, quarterbacks, you know, I've yet to find a quarterback that's gone thirty for thirty and one hundred percent, and everything's perfect and ha- makes every perfect read. And so, um, what I try to gauge is, you know, is he seeing what he's supposed to be seeing? Uh, are his eyes where they're supposed to be? Um, can he get fooled on coverages? Of course he can. Can he get fooled on RPOs? Of course he can. Um, but as long as you know he can tell me what he saw and why, uh, that then I'm okay, right? And if he does get a little bit out of rhythm, all right, how do I do a good job of trying to get him back into rhythm, right? And so that could be utilizing the run game. That could be using some, utilizing some advantage throws. That could be moving the pocket. Um, there's a variety of things that we can do there uh, to try to get him back into rhythm if he does get out of it. Um, but inevitably, I don't I don't expect Malik to go out Saturday and just play perfect. Uh, that that wouldn't be realistic. Um, but our, you know what we try to do is put him in the best position to have success. Um, and then and then navigate our way through the the even flow of, of a football game, which which is how every game goes. Yeah, and so if you want to talk about that of getting him in the right position to, uh, you know, you want to get him reps, you want to get him feeling a little bit better about what he's doing. However, at the end of the day, you also do have to watch out for what's best of the team. The same way he talked about with Arch Manning, well, I don't want to put him in if it's at a detriment to the team. There's a certain point of you have to do that with Malik Murphy as well. And if there is, I'm with you. I think it's the turnovers. And I think the other thing you have to watch out for is if he holds on to the ball too long, which is yep. a thing a lot of quarterbacks, when they don't want to have turnovers, because every meeting he has been in, I'm sure this week has been, hey, don't turn the ball over. These guys want to create turnovers. These guys want to create turnovers. So if you hold on to the ball too much and start eating some sacks, or then even you have a fumble because someone comes up from behind you and you get that blindside shot and you're just not, you haven't, I mean, he hasn't taken a hit in a game in three years, something like that, probably. So you take yeah, some hits and breaks. Remember, he was hurt. He was hurt early in his high school career. He was hurt later on too. Remember that? So I'm just saying, I don't know if he's been in a like seen game time action with a guy trying to hit him as hard as he can for two yeah. to three years. And so that first hit, make sure you hold on to the ball, making sure it doesn't fluster you too much. I think those are a little bit more things you're worried about than the traditional, we don't know if this guy can throw at that level. We know he can throw at a high level. We know what he can do when he's feeling it. We, like we saw him in the spring game and things that he can do. We know he can bomb it down the field. So you're more worried about just little nuancing, just the touch, but not putting too much touch on it. But, yeah, you brought the perfect example was that Chris Sims made Drapoid you know, making sure these wide receivers are getting enough reps this week to get used to having the difference in throw power. Because I know, I remember that was a big thing with Chris Sims when he came in 
there was a lot of drop passes early on just solely because guys were kind of used to the major Applewhite and, and getting the ball in and, and having it softly delivered to their hands. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it was coming a lot faster. Bleak Murphy's going to be coming in. Uh, some of those passes, some of those short yardage and screens are probably going to come bombing in. So you're just going to have to be used to, you know, kind of more used to being shorthanded. They've had a week now to work with it. He's saying they're both getting, you know, they're probably both getting reps with the first team. So if you say that, then it's a few less reps, but you just need to get them used to that. I, it's, I, I'm kind of more worried about the incompletions mounting up than really the interceptions. I know BYU lives on turnovers, but I'm, at the end of the day, the thing you're most, most worried about is a lack of, continu, uh, of continuity between the receivers and the quarterback and a run game starting to get stale because you're not having creative enough run play run plays you're just kind of running a gap b gap kind of stuff all game long expecting jonathan brooks to take over and the pass game doesn't hit that would probably be the thing i'm most worried about of of starting another quarterback is just continuity knowing that the play calling last week in houston after we saw you know a great opening script where does it go from there you're coaching against coaches that sark knows very well and they know sark very well so it's going to be you know their adjustments they know how to get into Sark's head. I imagine because they played with him pretty well. Uh, I, you know, you'd like to be able to see Sark go up. If you're Sark, how comfortable do you feel making adjustments and calling, you know, opening up your playbook more with Malik Murphy, or is this could be a good thing for Sark because he will have to, you know, kind of use a smaller playbook and maybe go back to some of those plays that work again, which he's not a huge fan of doing. Yeah, one of the things I thought was interesting uh, about Sark's media availability on Monday, he mentioned, you know, he keeps a list of plays that every each quarterback in the quarterback room prefers, right? He keeps a list of plays that Malik Murphy likes, and a list of plays that Arch Manning likes, and that Quinn likes. These are plays that they're really comfortable in, that they're confident in, plays they, I'm sure he's a, he's a quarterback, so I'm sure he goes in there and just has like quarterback conversations uh, with his QBs and talks to them about plays he likes, which ones fit their skill set best. Now we know that Quinn Ewers, although elite in his ability to deliver the football with touch and accuracy in the short to intermediate area off platform, that he wasn't necessarily a natural deep ball thrower that wasn't a strength in his skill set so Sark has since dialed back the deep balls I think it's it's pretty obvious that people watching since last season he's dialed that back a little bit and you know and I think he's done that because that's what's best for the offense overall and best for Quinn Quinn's getting better he's working at it but it's not a natural talent for him it's possible Malik Murphy has a natural deep ball there's a better natural deep ball than Quinn Ewers, and if that's the case, you may see the deep ball come back yeah. in the offense. We know Sarkis Jones in Ford. He loves it. He's like, give me that deep ball, baby. I love me some deep ball. He wants the deep ball, and he's, he dialed the dollar back because he knows that that's not a Quinn Ewers strength. But I think with Malik, you may get it back, especially if teams are stacking the box and loading the box to stop Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter in the run game, which ultimately will probably be the identity of the offense right now. So I'm with you. I think Sark's going to have special plays that Malik likes. We're going to see those plays in the script. We know in the opening script, he wants to get his quarterback in the groove, get him in a rhythm, and he's going to do that by plays, using plays and deploying plays that those quarterbacks like. And they may be new plays we haven't even seen because – the yeah. offense is going to be so different because it will be a Malik Murphy passing game, not a Quinn Ewers passing game. Yeah, and it is going to be on the offensive line uh, to make sure to block well for 
uh, for Malik because because he throws the ball that quickly, you kind of have to wait a little bit longer maybe to get the ball out for some of those deep balls that he's going to want to throw. So you are going to have to protect. Oh, yeah. It may mean that JT Sanders gets played a little bit less in this game because his blocking has not been superb since the injury. We've seen him get beat a few times. So, you know, you may see more Gunnar Hellman there. Uh, they may run the big oh, package yeah. points. But that, that's been happening, Patrick. When they run that 6-0 line package, they run the Big 12 package. And I've been wondering about it, too. It's Gunnar Hellman there. Yeah. When the U of H game, it was Gunnar Hellman there and not JT. So I think you're dead. You're on the money right there. I think it's probably because Gunnar Helm healthy is a better blocker than a injured JT. Yeah, and I mean, it's all, you know, when you have those ankle injuries, it's all about where you're hitting and where the pressure comes from. And, you know, if you're getting pushed back on that ankle and it's the tendons bending in a way that's not good against whatever, it can be a lot of pain and you may just let the 250-pounder go if, you know, if you feel like your leg's about to pop. So I get, I get it, uh, but that's maybe why you're going to have to take him out of some lineups, why he probably hasn't been playing as much and getting as many receptions, is we know Texas is big on if you want to play tied in for Texas, you have to block as well. We need you to block. Yeah, no, trust me. He even, even the wide receivers, uh, like Jay Witt, he get, the first compliment they give Jay Witt all the time is, man, he's the best blocker wide receiver in the Big 12, which I got to tell you, as a wide receiver, that's kind of an insult. That's like when you ask if a woman's hot and you start talking about her personality. No wide receiver wants to be given the compliment that, you know what, he's a great blocker. That's the first thing. So Sark's big on blocking from his skill positions. Um, but, yeah, even to the point where he he's compliments his wide receivers with that, with Jay Witt. There you go. Let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is the text line. We'll get back to it in the next segment, uh, start reading off some of those texts. But uh, we did want to get to the Big Fat Pool today. Keep it easy today for you guys. Who's, who do you want to see step up in this BYU game for Texas? Who is a player you'd like to see be the MVP? Is it? Would you like to see a, a defensive back step up and be, become the guy in the game? Would you like to see a Ryan Watts or a... Uh, you know, maybe a Jade Barron just have an amazing game. Would you like to see, uh, you know, maybe a linebacker, Jalen Ford, get back into that and have, you know, a game that's a little bit better for him that he hasn't been having? Do you want Anthony Hill to get used on some blitz and that guy? Do you want to go over on the offense and have Malik Murphy be the guy? Jonathan Brooks we know is going to have a big game. Maybe C.J. Baxter, this is his breakout game, getting some more carries. Who is it that you want to be the guy in this game? Send that in the text line, 512-447-3776. When we come back, we'll get into uh, some of your texts. We will get into some college football playoff talk, maybe a little Victor Wimbenyama talk. You can go down and check out Rob Babers, Aaron Hogan, Ty Henderson, all down at Backspin Slaughter and Mopac. Tell them what's going on down there, Rod. Oh, yeah, come on out to uh, Backspin. It's a great spot, fantastic spot. You get right at the intersection of uh, Mopac and Slaughter. And uh, we got some uh, nice ticket uh, giveaways for you as well. If you're in the neighborhood, you can register to win a pair of tickets, all right, to the uh, Texas BYU game and an autographed football um, as well. So come on out to Backspin, uh, and uh, you can register for that great prize as well as come on out and enjoy some of the uh, the fantastic uh, uh, sports action going on right now, but also enjoy Backspin got drink specials but of course we're drinking bud light out here so uh, come on out and enjoy yourself at backspin there you go we'll be right back here on the sports complex on the horn 1019 am 1260 the horn app and hornfm.com the 
Sports Complex afternoons 5 to 7 on The Horn. The father, the son is the center of the earth in the middle of the universe. Then why is this verse coming six times rehearsed? Don't freestyle much, but I write them like such. Word. Amongst the fiends controlled by the screens, what does it all mean? All this shit I'm seeing. <laughs> Human beings screaming vocal javelins, sign of a local unraveling. Uh-huh. My wandering got my. Back in the sports complex on a Thursday afternoon. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. Playing basketball songs all week long as our musical theme. Since it is uh, the return of NBA basketball this week, we saw Victor Wimanyama and the Mavs versus the Mavs. Victor Wimanyama and the Spurs versus the Mavs last night. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a good game. It was a good game. We'll give it that. Uh, also joining us on the show today, out at Backspin Bar, Mopac and Slaughter Lane, Rob Babers, Aaron Hogan, Ty Henderson from the uh, Hook 'em Up crew every weekday morning. Uh, can either of you guys do you know what this uh, this song is from? Uh, yeah, I should know this too. Is this like I know the, a I know the pub- track? Is it, is it is it like is this Public Enemy? Is it is Public Enemy? Yeah. I don't know what it's from though. I've heard it a lot of times. I don't know what it's from. What is it from? It is from He Got Game. Oh. oh, I should know that. Yes, falling in the basketball theme. Is that oh. Jesus? No, that's not. What was Jesus Shuttlesworth? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, as he got yes, game. yes, yeah, right? Ray Allen and Jesus oh, Shuttleworth, which it's oh, yeah. weird to see. And then he had hair after that, which is weird to see Ray Allen with hair at all. Uh, but it's, <laughs> we saw it last night. Did either of you get to catch uh, Victor Wembanyama's debut? Oh, that's bus watch television. You know yeah, what I yeah. actually did? I, I, I watched most of it this morning when I was getting ready for our show, Rod, because it was playing on repeat between mm-hmm. like Man, there you go. 4, 45 and 6. Spurs on repeat. <laughs> yeah. That's how uh, it is. And it was a close game. It was a tie game. You know this, Patrick. And then the, the Mavs finished on an 8-0 run, and Luka was unbelievable uh, down the stretch. But it looked like Victor, because he was in foul trouble most of the night, had nine points in that fourth quarter, and he was he hit some threes. Uh, but I know he's going to, you know, people said it was anticlimactic. I heard a lot of that comment because he was on the bench for so much. But, man, a 19-year-old kid to have that kind of game. Yeah, he turned the ball over five times, but you saw a lot of what his ceiling is. He's just, you know, he's running to Luka Doncic, who was amazing in the last four minutes of the game. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> you saw, I, that was one of the things people had talked about with women. Now, you go, he's 7-4, and even though it's as coordinated as he is, the game, they're going to have to call the game slightly differently for him because when you have someone who's just a different type of you know being than that's ever played in the league, they're going to get in foul trouble some game, and depending on who the ref is, they're just going to call things you know in different ways. So it's going to be where he learns, hey, you can't push out with your arm because if a six, six, seven guy is guarding you, that's in their throat, and that's an automatic penalty because you're it's not in their chest, it's in their throat where your arm is. Uh, you know, he picked up one on a screen and just kind of silly ticky-tack fouls that you get picked up in, in games. Uh, but that'll, you know, that's easily fixable as time goes on. We, but that was the in the fourth quarter. We saw him really put up. He had a that nine points, and they came in a flurry, and he was hitting oh, yeah. threes, and you saw all of that. You saw all the potential that was there. But Luka Doncic gave him the welcome to the NBA moment. Uh, yeah, there's still there's some big dogs in the NBA, and uh, when we play at the level, it was so it, it was expected because you know again we gave the the I gave a preview yesterday and I have the Spurs you know they're not making the I don't have them making the play in I, I don't think they're there yet I think they played better than we thought they were going to 
uh, a lot of the yeah. game they were in it. Derek Lively played amazing for Mavs fans. You yes, have to be super excited about what that kid brought. Yeah, that's their rookie, yeah. and they, you know their their big move in the offseason was re-signing Kyrie Irving, and those two together. You know, I think Maverick fans are excited to see them with an entire offseason working together and their dynamic offensive abilities. But really, it's going to come down to can they play defense and get stops and rebound and be tougher on the Mavs side. What's your what's your ceiling what? for the Mavs, Patrick? I mean, it, look, if Derek Lively plays the entire season like he did last night, they're a playoff team. But I don't think that's the case. Williams played well too. Uh, what they got from uh, from the Celtics. Uh, you know, I, I, that, that starting lineup, I don't know why. You know, I know Jason Kidd didn't want to start Lively. He's the starter. I, I think game two, you go ahead and make that change. You put him in there because he just played really well with Kyrie and, and Luka. But I think if you run that and then uh, put Maxi Kleba and Williams in there, uh, you are going to be able to have a lineup with a bunch of – with some range from three, some guys who can play a little bit of defense, and it'll be – it, that team can at least – I think they're still a play-in team in that seven to ten range, but I just—I I think they're a little bit higher than I had them. I had them out of the playoffs. If they play like they did last night, and Lively is able to play like that, they can get themselves back in that play-in. Yeah, because they last night they did something they didn't do last season, which is be able to close out games with Luke and Kyrie. That was supposed to be the benefit of having Luke and Kyrie stay in the game until clutch time in the fourth quarter. And then you got two closers. Yeah. And they can't defend two closers. But that didn't work out last season. Last season it was almost, you know, it was counterproductive. It didn't work out that way. I think they're hoping this season they have enough defense. They can stay in games until clutch time in the fourth quarter. And then when it's winning time, you got two of the best, that two of the best closers in the NBA and Kyrie and Luka to be able to do it. Yeah, and, and Luka did it last night. And look at what Derek Lively was able to do to keep possessions alive and get rebounds. That's a huge part of it. You're going to miss three-pointers if you're just jacking up three-pointers. But if you get two of them, you know, Lucas shoots a high yeah. clip of, you know, clutch three-point shots. So if you give him yeah, two every possession, you're, you've got a pretty good odds he's going to hit most of those. And I think that was a big missing factor before is Dwight Powell just isn't that rebounder. And JaVale McGee wasn't that rebounder. And none of those guys were that rebounder. Lively came in and was able to get some offensive rebounds. And then they were able to spread the court a little bit better, too. Tim Ordway Jr. shot pretty well. Uh... You know, Maxi Kleba shot okay, but if you have some, if you are able to spread the court and give Kyrie time to, you know, ability some room to work inside, the team can get some more wins. But yeah, it's going to be a work in progress to see if that defense can continue to stop the more high-powered teams than uh, than the Spurs, who you know look pretty good, but at the same part, is still a very young team in San Antonio. Yeah, it was the most watched uh, season opener though in eleven years for the NBA. So, yeah, we uh, saw that <laughs> terrible, that terrible Celtics Knicks game that that overtook it and just made it start like twenty minutes late. You're like, guys, you're just missing free throws and missing shots. Can we please get to the game we all want to see? Yeah, seriously. Hey, uh, Matt, you're the Spurs fan, Patrick. What yes. did you think of uh, Wemby? I mean, you're the. It's like Rod and I watching CJ Stroud or something. I mean, this, is this? I mean, we know he's the future, but what was your overall impression? I, look, I think he's doing everything that he needs to be doing at this point. I, his three-point shot looks a little bit better. The things that I know he needs to work on, like rebounding and just knowing how to you know, create off-the-ball, off-contact. He's really good scoring with contact, but rebounding on contact and playing defense through contact. All of those things, he needs to get a little bit more sure of himself. That'll come with time. That'll come with... Uh, building weight. I think they said he put on like 19 pounds before the season between uh, 
when he weighed in at being drafted in the season, he'll continue to put on some more weight, and with that, all that stuff will kind of come. And then the turnovers, that is just going to come down to time of being in the league and understanding what he can and can't get away with when teams start to double-team him more and more. And then, you know, it comes down to two, the offense running through him. The offense ran through Zach Collins for a lot of that game which seems not the way you want it, but I think they're trying to not put too much pressure on him. They want him to be outside and not take the abuse inside. So this is the starting point of it. The Sohan point guard experiment did not fail. It was not a a massive turnover machine. The turnover machine really came near the end of the game when everybody was trying to do everything to get some points and overdoing it and and trying to take it on themselves. There's a lot to work on, but I, I... there's there's promise for this team. I still don't see them being a playing team this year, but I think you're a lot closer than that. You know, in two years you can get into that conversation and get in the play-in. Whereas we see teams like Oklahoma City or some other teams that continually add on and add on, but they can't quite get over that hump, and it takes them four to five years. I think the Spurs can get there in two to three to be a contending team, and that's what you kind of wanted to see. Meanwhile, the Rockets got beat by 30. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah, the the Rockets, they got got a long road ahead of them. They're coming from a team with zero culture, with zero plan, driving to retrain all these players how to play basketball because Steven Silas just let them play rec league ball for the entire entire last season. They were the the hardest team to watch. That I probably watched in 20 years of following the NBA and covering the NBA, probably the hardest team I've ever had to watch with the Rockets last year. They were so bad to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to watch him because I'm, I'm a Houston guy. Uh, can I give you guys one little stat about Wimby's debut, yes. though, that I thought was pretty cool? Uh, the NBA League pass viewership in France oh, wow. was up 220% <laughs> versus last year's regular season average. That's so awesome. they're getting that Wimby effect. And they, they, the the international effect. effect. Yeah, exactly. What Messi did over here for the MLS League Pass, no doubt. Same thing. Yeah, and hey, James Harden drama. Did you see he tried to get on the plane to, to fly to Milwaukee? Oh, yeah. Security. So I, we, security. We, we, security. We, security. What? That's, he they physically uh, had to. They did not physically. What? They, it, it wasn't physically, but yes. But oh. This is all discussed. This is Daryl Morey. This is, this is reality stuff, Rod. This is trash TV stuff. It's right up your alley. Oh, yeah. That's what NBA loves, man. I'll tell you what, we'll get get into that some more. He showed up after 10 days out and wanted to get on the plane. They wouldn't (laughs) let him. Yeah, he wanted to go to Milwaukee, which where the game tonight everybody's going to watch is to see Dame Lillard with the Bucks for the first time. It'll be cool, but yeah, denied. 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 Yeah, he was he was denied, and it was it, apparently they it, they told him, "Hey, when you get you came to practice, they weren't expecting him to show up. He shows up at practice. They're like, hey, we appreciate that. Why don't you stay here? You're not in shape. We don't trust you to not be a ball hog out there. So why don't you stay here, and we'll kind of get your your you know mental state while you're here." And and then you know you can go to the next road trip. And then he just showed up at the airport, like, hey, no, that wasn't a suggestion. That was a that was a that was what we were telling you was happening, not a suggestion. But apparently he said okay and went back. But I would not be surprised that when the team got back, he was back in Houston again, and and just like yeah, just I don't care. So yeah, but we'll go go to the strip club, James. Yeah, look, that was the first time in the club. It was the first time in James Harden life he was agreeing to go to Milwaukee. So that's impressive <laughs> enough. We know there's, there's none of the clubs that he likes up in Milwaukee. 
<laughs> they, uh, seriously, they don't cut the mustard with, with James. No also, doubt. I'll mention Zion Williamson, 23 points last night. He was yes. actually playing basketball and played pretty well. In a don't Pelican. jinx it, e. I know, I'm just Don't talk about it. Speaking just of clubs. let him play and no. don't talk about it. You're going to jinx it. It was funny. I was like, I wonder if this is the best thing that Victor Wimanyama is actually a blessing for the Pelicans and Zion Williamson that there isn't a giant media storm about Zion playing again because everybody was right. focused on the Spurs and Victor Wimanyama, that he can kind of go out and just play basketball and maybe help him get his head straight that he's not God's gift to man for a little bit and just go play basketball because he's really good. But get that out of the way that, you know, ESPN's full, the whole, you know, package is based around your debut again. It was nice yeah. to see that. And he played really well. If he plays, this Pelicans team can be a top four team in the West. I mean, we know C.J. McCollum can play. We know Brandon Ingram can play at a high level. You know, they, they have a lot of talent on that team if Zion stays healthy, but that's the biggest if you can put out Big there. Big if, yeah. He just wants to eat a lot of good food, <laughs> bang porn stars, and play and play basketball. That's all that man wants to hey, do. What's wrong with that, man? Hey, not a damn thing. Not a damn thing, Not a damn thing. Oh, he's going to – You can do it. You just wait till. years old, pretty cool. It's his Zion plus 25 and all his kids – just sitting around <laughs> eating beignets. Baby mamas. <laughs> eating beignets. <laughs> you know he loves beignets. Yeah, beignets are you know already to stay away from, him. brother. Yeah, you know he loves them, man. <laughs> did you hear uh, uh did you hear that Jamal Williams sound? Did you hear that Jamal Williams sound at the beginning of the season with uh No. I uh, let me see if I can I'll find I'll try to see if I can find it. But there's great Jamal Williams sound of him going to New Orleans and they ask him about beignets. I'll play it in the next oh. segment. I'll find it because I know it's in our system. I'll, I'll find oh, that sound that and play that. It's really good stuff. Uh, but let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to some of your texts. I'll play that Jamal Williams sound so we can talk more about beignets. But also, you can go check out Backspin uh, with E and Rod B from Hook 'em Up. Ty Henderson's out there as well, the whole Hook 'em Up crew. And uh, some good prize out there, right, guys? Uh, no doubt. Actually, you can register to win a pair of tickets to the Texas BYU game and an autographed football. And actually, it's autographed by somebody very important and famous. But I'm not sure who it is because the signature. But that's okay. Uh, three, <laughs> three fifty Bud Light cans and three fifty Michelob Ultras out here at Backspin. And folks are already out here enjoying uh, the early weekend at Backspin. So come on out. We'll be out here till seven o'clock with my man Patrick Davis on the Sports Complex. All right, here you go. Yeah, not impressed. But it's just a funnel cake. It's just a funnel cake. So yeah, the Vignatis is just a funnel cake. I'm sorry. I'm- I just got here. I respect y'all, your beignets and all that. But in California, we just call them funnel cakes. So, well, that's just where we know them at. I tasted it. it. Tastes just like a funnel cake. So, that's all. But it's good, though, if you like funnel cakes. <laughs> that is, that's Jamal Williams. I ain't mad at him on that one, though. What is he? Did he call them beignets? Something else, though? Beignets. Beignets. <laughs> I think I like that name better, actually. Oh, beignetis. Man. Yeah, I mean, he needs to stay in New Orleans for a little bit and open up Jamal's Beignetis. Beignetis, <laughs> man. That's definitely the street name for Beignetis. I like that. That's some good stuff. Oh, okay. right, guys, we'll be right back on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260. <laughs> the Horn app at com. The Sports Complex. Afternoons 5 to 7. Woo! Hell yeah! On the Horn. Levels to this game, you know the name of chess player. I got about as much fold in me as I got chess here. There's none you bum, best bow down. Only real when we chow down. I can't think of any time a lane been in our power. We throw a bread from a king line. That's big. 
Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. We'll do a quickie here. Get you some of your texts real quick and then get us back on time for the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, rejoined then by uh, Rob Babers, Aaron Hogan, and the Hook'em Up crew out there at Backspin at Mopac and Slaughter playing basketball music. So please, we got to play some Dame Lillard. We got to play some Dame Lillard. He makes his debut tonight for the Milwaukee Bucks. Starting off against 76ers tonight, uh, 6 o'clock. So just a few minutes away. Uh, that uh, he will be making his debut. So we'll play some Damian Lillard for you on a, on a Thursday afternoon. Get you into it. Uh, a couple of your texts. Keep those texts coming on the show. We'll keep trying to get to them. 512-447-3776. Asking you who you want to see step up in this Texas uh, BYU game. We do have guys are killing it on there. Uh, we do have Bebo Angel says, glad the Vegas line is glowing, but I'm still nervous about BYU uh, being more physical than Texas, I hope they've addressed the issues with our defensive secondary. Pretty sure Malik will do well. I don't know if they're going to be more physical than us, uh, but I do believe that they're going to they're, they're, they are going to try and get penetration. They're going to try and get some big plays and, and try and get some turnovers. But we should still be a more physical team than anyone else in the, in the Big 12. We weren't against Oklahoma, but we should be. Uh, that's something that they've been preaching. Uh, Rye Guy from New Mexico says, uh, do you feel that Moore and Clark should get a lot more reps this Saturday than usual to help Malik feel a little bit more comfortable? I would not say a lot more reps. Uh, I could see uh, that Cook gets a few more reps, uh, especially if Malik's having a little bit where there is off, if they're not connecting on some passes. I could see them try that, but I wouldn't say it's a lot more. I think you're going to try and stick with as many guys you trust uh, as you can uh, because – you know, you you just you kind of you can, can only control so much. You'd like to have the guys that you trust out there. Uh, I don't even know if I should read this Verdes Locos. This is a bad one, guys. It did backspin. Be ready. It's a joke, but I'll read it because I, you know I read my texters. You guys, you guys keep the show rolling. Uh, he says uh, he, he has a joke for us uh, for us Astros fans. Knock knock. Who's there? Astronaut. Astronaut. Who? Astros not going to the World Series. They're just rude. Just rude joke. We're trying to say we're happy for you, Rangers fans. We're excited for you to go to the World Series, and you got to be telling us jokes like that. Uh, we do have uh, making plays against our DBs is easy. Texas DBs can't cover a cough. You're worried about a ricochet? Yes. That's it's the thing that happens in, in, in football. Patrick worries a lot. I do. It's part of my job is to try and find and diagnose things that can be an issue, and that we try and talk about those. It's what coaches do as well, and Murphy is not a bum. Agree 100% he is not a bum, and don't worry. Be happy. If I didn't, if I could do that, I'd be doing a lot more. Uh, if you talk Texas again, what do you think from a passing game game plan? If anything, will look different on Saturday without Quinn. I think we talked about that a little bit. Uh, I, we think there could be some more deep balls that come out uh, up there, and any chance crossing routes will be cleaned up. Look, we hope they thought they were cleaned up before, and then some injuries came out, and they weren't as cleaned up as we thought they were. And Nate wants to uh, remind us. Remember that time that the Rangers beat the Astros. You guys, you guys are really trying to make it hard on us, but go Rangers. Have fun in the World Series. We'll have uh, we'll have game two right here Saturday on the horn. We'll be playing it for you. So uh, we're happy for you guys. Uh, we're going to take a break, though, and come back and get rejoin uh, Aaron Hogan and Rod Babers and Ty all out there at uh, Backspin, giving away some big prizes from our friends at Bud Light. Uh, we'll get back to that when we come back and more of your text, 512-447-3776. And we come back on hour two of the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.